Hello everybody and welcome back to Discerning Consciousness. I'm your host Ant and today I'm joined by my co-host once again Mike. Hello Mike. Hello Anthony. It's good to be uh, back on the Discerning Consciousness. Great. Um, so in this episode, as you can see from the title, um, we're going to put the film V for Vendetta under the Discerning Consciousness microscope. So it's certainly a film that is extremely uh, relevant uh, in a kind of disturbing way during these so-called uh, COVID times, I think you'll agree, Mike. Yeah, it's like we're living in the backstory of uh, Viva Vendetta right yeah, now. Yeah, uh, every day it, it seems to get uh, more and more as if real life is mirroring art, so to speak. So um, just a quick um, rundown of how we're going to uh, attack today's episode. So first of all, we're going to set the scene um, for the film Viva Vendetta by exploring the backstory and how it relates to current events in this uh, COVID virus world. Um, we're then going to explore the uh, most important or key themes, I should say, embedded in the film. And once again, how they relate to um, current events um, in the world. So first of all, Mike, um, by way of setting the scene, I wonder if you could just uh, just show our listeners just basically a very uh, simple outline of the premise of the film. Right. So the backstory is essentially a um, a virus outbreak uh, happened in three lo different locations in London. Um, yeah. And this uh, spread a lot of panic and fear. Yeah. A lot of people dying. Um, originally, it was all blamed on um, terror suspects. Yeah. But really, you find out throughout the film that um, it was the the government themselves that actually developed this virus, yeah. released it on its own people, um, to create a dictatorship, essentially. So I believe one of the locations it was released was into a waterworks, and it was also um, at a school as well. There was a school, tube yeah. station, and a water treatment facility. And, um, yeah, so they not only... Um, spread the fear to get control from the political aspect they also um, had the antidote to sell the people to help them recover sure. um, so they had the whole pie as it were in that sure yeah so also um, obviously part of the backstory is the um, in the initial opening scenes is this idea that the rest of the world is in total chaos a bit of like um, similar to what seems to be playing out now uh, in that there's a economic collapse and it seems that um, the situation in America on the film is similar to what's happening now in that, as I say, you've got government collapse and there's this idea that America is calling out to the rest of the world for help. So it's, it's almost like the world's uh, greatest superpower or the most powerful country in the world is now uh, down on its luck is now essentially like a third world country and as we know that's what the democrats uh, under the clintons obviously want to do to the trump administration well it's interesting to note that they actually do call it the former united states they do yeah yeah so it's just to uh just to impress upon uh, the viewing audience that um the world has been essentially turned upside down so also uh mike in the opening scenes we get this idea of this real dystopian feel, feel, uh, feel in the film which runs throughout it in, and uh, the main character Evie played by Natalie Portman is kind of a cosseted 
uh, by the finger men um, because she's out and about uh, breaching curfew and also we have scenes whereby there's a surveillance va van uh, meandering through the street so obviously it relates a lot to now and the what the governments around the world have in, in implemented uh, after the coronavirus yeah so um interesting connections to to what they were having to what we have is they do have quarantine zones yeah not quite in the same way as in the films but we've definitely got that going on yeah. um the curfews well um not necessarily down here but in several places especially in australia right now in melbourne yeah uh, the curfew is extended between the hours of i believe it's um five um five so eight o'clock uh, in the night until five o'clock in the morning you're not allowed out of your home unless you have a, a good reason i was gonna say the curfew in the film was um 10 30 p.m to 5 30 a.m so right. it sounds like like got it worse i, I, don't, I think <laughs> yeah i don't know who the who the leader is or uh the governor or whatever it is in australia of of of, of melbourne but maybe he's been following this <laughs> this film a little bit too closely but um, it's also interesting to note that um, they've got a blacklist in the film, which um, is heavily into censoring things that they don't want the public to, to see or know. Sure. And that seems to be going on at the moment as well, especially yeah. within the social media groups. Yeah. And also uh, another key aspect of the backstory is in terms of obviously the control of the party. Um, what's interesting is one of the slogans, um, obviously one of the slogans that they use is something that is being used um, quite, of, quite a lot in, in the corporate world as well, uh, in that the political propaganda or slogan that they use is strength through unity or unity through faith. And this, we see this on billboards, don't we, and things like that. And that, that can relate to uh, a Tesco sign that I keep seeing, which is called Together We Can Do This, or We're All In It, we're, we're all in it Together. So we can see how uh, corporate slogans really are essentially much like um, government um, slogans or propaganda, aren't they, Mike? Yeah, it's all training us to, to get into step in line, just take the jab, Yeah. you know, get back to the way things used to be. Do you yeah. want those things that you used to miss, that you used to take uh, for granted? Get the jab and you can have them again. Yeah, exactly. Also, the interesting thing about uh, the party logo, Mike, is it's a um, red cross, um, the j a double cross, which is called the Cross of Lorraine, uh, which is also known as the Cross of Anjou, uh, dates from the 16th century. It's also known as the Patriarchal Cross, which is uh, what many of our listeners might also know is linked to the Knights Templars. So that's an interesting use of symbolism within the film. And it's quite apt in the sense that the government double-crossed its people. Exactly. And also what you've seen um, in the UK, they're not doing still at the moment, but they used to have daily press conferences uh, which were attended by leading um, government ministers and health of, uh, officials. And behind the main lectern, the main speaker, you'd have two union crosses union jacks so two crosses so there's reference uh reference again um to the double cross aspect of or the deception aspect of um what's going on so we move on to uh another um story or, or in relationship to the backstory of the film beef of vendetta and that's the idea um 
of media lies uh, and manipulation, Mike. So something that happens very um, early on in the film is um, the character V, he blows up the old Bailey uh, when uh, obviously uh, Evie is watching with him uh, on, on the rooftops. Now the British Television Network, as it's called, which obviously is referenced to the, uh, BBC. the BBC. How they spin this event is is really interesting because they they spin it in terms of um, the fact that it was actually the destruction of of the old uh, the old uh, Bailey, if you like, and now they're calling it um, the new Bailey. And the media was were claiming that it was um, an emergency um, an emergency demolition. Now, what's also interesting about that is that um, when the news reporter is um, trying to spin this story or spin it in in the newsroom, they say, uh, "Do you think um, do you think people will buy this?" And then they say, uh, what, "Why not? This is the BTN. It is our job uh, to report the news, not fabricate it. That's the government's job." Now, we, obviously, we can see that this exposes the relationship between the media journalists and the government which um, during since March and the COVID-19 COVID outbreak we can see how the mainstream media here in the UK primarily the BBC and Sky News they've not done any proper journalism have they Mike they've not investigated the truth of what's happening they've literally just they've just said what the government's told them to say essentially well, I haven't keep, been keeping up with the mainstream media that much, to be fair, but it does seem to be just like, and here's what the government are saying right now. Sure. So rather than the mainstream media, rather than actually scrutinising uh, government propaganda and rhetoric, they do the complete opposite. Uh, another quote or part of the film that's related to this is when, um, again... Uh, this is uh, when the Evie character is speaking to a friend and they're watching the broadcast and she says um, to her friend, um, she blinks, this is relationship to the newsreader, she says she blinks a lot when she knows she is reading a story that is false. So again, you know, it's just reference to the endemic lies and corruption of the media, Mike. When you're a news reporter, you're just said, read these lines. That, yeah. That's your job. Yeah. And also related to this whole theme of media lies and manipulation is the ongoing idea of censorship. So obviously the truth of what happened at the Old Bailey was censored. Uh, in one part, um, the vice uh, or the high chancellor, I should say, he says, well, even the song that was played, the... Bach's over 1812 overture, right? That now needs to be banned. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and also, uh, in terms of uh, the censorship, Mike, um, there's this idea that when um, the uh, virus was released and 80,000 people died, and then we had this roundup of all the uh, people who were obviously uh, the political uh, opposition groups, so Evie's parents were arrested and killed and minority uh, groups were killed as well. This was during a period which became known as the Reformation. And during this period, obviously, lots of an underhand things were going on. And th they speak to this in the film with the scene with the uh, police investigators. And they try and get some information in terms of what happened. 
and um, one of the guys he says well a lot of information or data went missing during this period and that kind of relates to now in that we're seeing a lot of censorship we're seeing the pulling down of statues we're seeing the fact that um, certain programs on Netflix and Amazon are being um, are being censored as well aren't we Mike so we're definitely in a period of censorship and that obviously when a government applies or when there's a lot of state tyranny that obviously takes place doesn't it yeah so it's interesting to note that the whole black bagging and uh kidnapping people off the streets basically seems to be um well it seemed to happen in america about a month ago now didn't it sure yeah yeah so people are getting grabbed off the streets every now and then it's just we often don't hear about it sure. but um during this film there was obviously the reformation time every undesirable anything that wasn't like as far as the film makes it out standard white british is kind of like that shove you off into well the it leads to like minority groups doesn't it being taken off and stuck in the gulag kind of thing and also the fact that they did experiments on them at the lark hill detention center as well yeah kind of also the interesting thing about this period called the reformation when the tyranny if you like was at its peak is it's a bit like now in that we now live in a world of pre-COVID and post-COVID. And with the Reformation, it was almost like you had this world up until the point at which the Reformation took place within the film. And then you have the, how the world was like with total government tyranny after the Reformation. So it's kind of similar to what's going na- going on now in that we're often told there's no return to normal or there's, there's not going to be a return to normal. You know what I mean? So there's that kind of year zero if you think of in terms of chairman mao and the cultural revolution in china there's this kind of this is how the world changed forever yeah kind of there will be a moment in the history books going yeah. yep then it was then <laughs> exactly so if we move on now mike uh to the next um wanna, we're going to look at some of the key themes in the film and obviously let's look at um the character himself thief of vendetta uh, I wonder if you could just speak on, obviously, this whole theme of Guy Fawkes. So, the, the Guy Fawkes theme um, works so perfectly well within the film, because not only is yeah. he the most, um, the only person throughout English history, at least, yeah. that has actually had a, um, a gumption to actually try and stand up and do something about it. Yeah, to take it, on the government. Well, it was like that and... Um, didn't Oliver Cromwell yes, or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, the Guy Fawkes was, yeah, a symbol um, and an idea that we haven't forgot even like 400 years later. Yeah, still very powerful kind of like archetype as well. And to be honest, we can't do something about um, Guy Fawkes and Viva Vendetta without saying the famous quote, remember, remember the 5th of November, the gunpowder and treason and plots. Yeah. I know of no reason why the gunpowder treason should ever be forgot. Now, it's interesting to note how originally the the whole reason that the Guy Fawkes motive was spread and it became a national holiday, as it were, is the government was using it to see, like, hey, see this guy, this Guy Fawkes guy? Yeah. This is what we do to people who go against us. An example, yeah. And now it's become a symbol of, um, well, no, this is how you actually could stand up to people. Yeah, it's obviously become a symbol of the anonymous movement and Occupy Wall Street and obviously millions of people 
have it um, as their Facebook avatar. So it is a very powerful symbol. Isn't yeah. It? It's a powerful symbol of, you know, freedom and and justice and, and equality. And yeah, and like I just said, I think that probably does speak to the archetypal element of Guy Fawkes, doesn't it? Really? And it also leads quite heavily into the um, whole dichotomy of anarchy versus um, the dictatorship within the film. Yeah. Um, because... Yes, um, V is going after um, revenge. Yeah. And but he's not looking to control. He's not looking to set up any system or anything. Or any movement or ideology. He just, yeah. I want to bring down what was currently there. Although he does say at some point, doesn't he? Um, violence can be used for good, doesn't he? Which is interesting. Yes. And he also says um, this is obviously related to the idea of. Uh, anarchy versus, versus state or government dictatorship. He also says people should not be afraid of their government. Government should be afraid afraid of their people. You know, and that again is very pertinent, isn't it? During during these times where yeah. people are still in the majority, I would say, looking to the government to tell them what to do, looking to the government to tell them how to respond to this virus, uh, whether real or not. And there, and it is. That is it's such an important theme that, you know, he was, what V was speaking of in this film was about taking control of your own sovereignty and power, wasn't he, really? Yes. I mean, that is, you know, one of the most, um, one of the most important things, really. Well, that uh, leads quite heavily onto the next major theme um, of the awakening process. Yeah, sure. Because even yeah. though this film kind of like is action packed at parts, it really does have a deep underlying um, conscious awakening. Yeah, yeah, and I think it kind of breaks down into three, three main scenes or three main aspects of the awakening. So the first one that we want to focus on is the scene with the um, character called Valerie, who um, is in the cell um, next to Evie when she is imprisoned by. Uh, V, but obviously she didn't realise at the time. And it's this um, quote or this kind of storyline around the idea of to give an inch. So I'll just read what she says, a quote from the film, a character Valerie, um, that she writes obviously on the toilet paper that's passed through the cell to Evie. And she says, an inch, it is small and it is fragile and it must never and we must, sorry, and we must never let them take it away. And I like that, uh, Mike, because it's very poignant, because it's basically this idea of, although they're both physically imprisoned, they reach a stage where they're uh, actually free within their own mind. And this is the concept that you can't destroy, um, you can't destroy the idea of freedom, can you? You know. No, um, so the whole aspect of taking away people's rights, people's freedoms, at the end of the day, you're just hoping that you're enforcing that in their minds, because yeah. no, the only person who stops people doing anything is themselves. Sure. Um, that's what the whole taking away everything away from someone sure. is trying to take themselves away from that person. Yeah, yeah. And that's what that, maintaining that inch, not giving it up, maintaining who you are. So they might be able to, like, destroy you on a physical level, but they can't 
take away or destroy that idea in, in the mind or in the collective mind as well. Exactly. So this relates obviously to that famous phrase that uh, I never didn't realise, but apparently it dates from the 1500s and that is give them an inch and they'll take a mile. And, um, you know, that's what's happening now, really, I think, Mike. And, you know, just to share with our listeners my view on that, that at the moment, billions of people around the world are being forced to wear masks. And some might say, well, that's giving an inch. That's giving an inch to the government and we're complying. But, you know, give an inch and they'll take a mile. And where, where's that leading to? Exactly. I don't know if you agree, but, you know, I, I, I find it really, really scary. It's one of those things that everyone will have their own individual line in the sand where it's just like, right, I'm calling it here. I can't go along with what's being said anymore. Sure. Everyone's is going to be different. For some people, masks straight away. No, it's not well, that's that. me. That's where I'm at. But, um, yeah, some people might go, well, actually, if I've got to wear masks all the time, even when I'm at home with my own family, they'll, they'll draw the line there. Or, or it might go to the next one of, like, no, nope, I'm not getting the vaccine. I definitely won't do that. Sure. Everyone's got their line, but as soon as that line is crossed... You're more hopeful than me, Mike, because I might have a line and it's been drawn at mask wearing, but I don't... I'm not sure that the mass of the population has that. See, the thing I think when it comes to the mask wearing thing, though, is it's such a, a, a no big deal situation. Like, we shouldn't be arguing over wearing a mask or not wearing a mask. No. We should be, from the way I see it, the conspiracy people kind of make themselves look ridiculous by... Focus on it too much. Exactly. They make themselves look silly because of it. What we should be focusing on is, you know, those stages that are coming next. Those are going to be the more insidious ones. Sure, sure. And so when it comes to people wearing masks, just like, shrug your shoulders, okay, if you want to, go ahead. Sure. It, yeah. It's... But we do know in terms of the phrase, you know, I, I still do think that we are, we are, we are giving them, let's put it in the phrase of we're giving them, it might seem a small element of control but it's like as you just alluded to mike it's like where is this leading to exactly uh, and that's my that is my concern and obviously that's how it relates to the phrase give them an inch and they'll take a mile and just lastly on this point i'm not convinced that the mass of the british population have an idea in their head of right this is enough no more because the vast majority of them still believe that the nhs the health authorities and the government do have their best interest at heart keep safe you know, I, I that is my concern. Perhaps you have more faith than I do, Mike. <sighs> I'm older than you. Maybe that's what it is. I don't think it's faith. It's just where I haven't been following it too right. closely. It's sure. just like I'm not swept up with that emotion yeah, of it. Maybe I am too much. Anyway, moving on now in terms of uh, the key themes and the awakening. <laughs> the next uh, aspect of the awakening is um, the... Uh, Evie's awakening, Mike, where she is put into a kind of false imprisonment, but obviously at the time um, she believes it's real uh, because the interesting thing is that she, she earlier in the film, she says to, um, to V, you know, what do you want from life? What do you want from life? And she says, well, unlike my parents, you know, I felt like, excuse the birds in the background, um, I've always felt that I've run away from myself or I've run because of fear. I've run away from fear. And, and, and he says, and she says to him, 
I want to, you know, I want to have that no fear of freedom, or I want to experience it. So obviously, this is why she he puts her through this trial, doesn't he? Yeah, um, it's quite a shamanic thing yeah, in a way. Yeah, like a shamanic um, death. It's the whole death and rebirth situation because. Um, the torture goes on for a while. Look, just give up the information on V and we'll let you go. Sure. She keeps on going, no, 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 refuses it all the time. Yeah. And literally it gets to the point of her going, right, if you want to kill me, just kill me. Like, get it over and done with. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, it's at that moment that he goes, you are free now. Yeah, so the exact words are, these words are, you have no fear anymore, you're completely free. And at that point, she's released, and she realizes that it was all a setup. And uh, it is quite traumatic. The scenes uh, when she's imprisoned, it's very—I mean, she's humiliated, she's tortured, she's broken. But for me, it equates to the death of of the false self, doesn't it? It's the death of the ego, and she's broke. I mean, she is literally completely broken. Well, quite interesting, a quote made by, um, oh, what's the guy, the TV director, Stephen Fry's character. Oh, what, what's his name? But he makes um, a quote earlier on the film oh, yeah, saying, sorry, I've wearing got a quote. mask for so long, yes, you yeah, forget who quote. you are sorry, underneath. I've got, I've got so many notes. You wear a mask for so long, you forget who you are underneath it. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, and, and another interesting thing is, my response watching that was, um, I think part of feeling disturbed by it was, my God, how much I run away from my own fears and how much yeah. am I really prepared to put that on the line or put myself on the line? Am I prepared to go to the extent of, you know, what V did to Evie? I mean, what do you feel about, you know, fears and, and running away from them? Well, I would say the biggest fear we all have is truly getting to know ourselves sure yeah and this is why that quote about the um we wear the mask for so long we forget who we are underneath it's we are brought up to to almost live a lie like here you're giving a name a religion um sure. a country of origin here's the beliefs that come along with them sure. right now go and be a a good person so you just go along trying to identify with what you're told to be not who you are sure, yeah. and that death and rebirth situation her awakening is all about letting that go mm, yeah and then what's really interesting obviously initially you have the anger directed towards V from Evie because she's been tricked yeah she's been you know she's been uh, a victim of deception but then later on she actually thanks him because she he has given her the greatest gift yeah that you could give another human being and, then, and again how this relates to covid19 is for you mike and for me and perhaps for our listeners if things get as bad as they have got in v for vendetta and in other films like brazil and like 1984 which we're covering in future covid1984 covid1984 <laughs> we might have to put our principles on the line in a very extreme way, it's all very well us sitting here and going, well, at the moment, masks don't matter, and there's a point at which I'm going to say no more. Well, it might be a, a, a position uh, where you're going to have to go, right, I don't want the vaccine, and I'm going to have to live a pretty horrific life because of that. We might have to accept that. 
and our listeners and that's why when i watch that scene with you know evie being punished it's like how do we know us people who are not going along with the program how our own uh principles are going to be tested yeah i have this hunch i don't mean to be overly dramatic on this episode but i have the hunch in which you know a lot of us who can see the deception for what it is you know i think our our, our fears are going to be really tested yeah i was gonna say i'm re-watching the film before before doing this it's scary how quickly this situation right now could turn into what the film well, has. Well, how it, how it mirrors it. I mean, we both were saying earlier, we feel that the v, the film v for, for then, v for Vendetta, i get my words out, is actually perhaps a period of time on from where we are now because the event yeah, I know has it's... actually happened and, 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 and um, things have moved on a lot more. We're still in the midst of the COVID pandemic. Yeah. So even though the film is set in 2020, yeah. by all by all numbers yeah um yeah we are kind of like still in the backstory sure you know what the government's trying to make out of the second wave is essentially are sure. going to be are like oh my god panic situation yeah and so the pe the the people who are rebelling or have rebelled they haven't been isolated yet they haven't been discriminated against they haven't been carted off to fema camps or whatever we're still if that was to happen hopefully it doesn't we can see the beginning of that with violent attacks or you know and verbal attacks on people that don't wear their masks in supermarkets so we can see the seeds being sown of the people that yes. don't follow the program so that's whereby the events taking place now as you said mike are slightly behind the backstory is behind so moving on lastly this whole theme of birth and rebirth mike like the shamanic death and the idea of awakening obviously an issue we cover a lot on shaman on uh, discerning consciousness and that's um we've got this constant flashback we see quite a lot of the character v when he's in flames escaping looking very much like a marvel character right? yeah <laughs> a dc character escaping the lark hill detention center obviously that speaks as this whole idea of birth rebirth the alchemical process of burning down the constituent parts right down it is yeah the, I think the most surprising thing about it is the um, masculine and feminine aspects of it. Sure, yeah. So you had um, V, yeah. who meets EV. Yeah. Um, they literally mirror each other with the masculine sure. and feminine. There's a lot of that going on. The yeah. opening scene, they're getting ready, and they're flashing between her getting ready and him getting ready. Sure. Um, and then when you have that awakening scene, and she goes out into the rain with, like, God is in the rain moment. Sure. She's having that in water, so which the is the purifying alchemical element of water, which is yeah. the feminine aspect. Yeah, and he had that moment the with the fire, which sure. is the masculine, and aspect. they transposed, the, yeah, the, exactly. The, yeah, so that's really interesting, actually. Yeah, wonder if our listeners who have seen the film um, have picked up on that. Um, just to show our listeners, I'll share some links, Mike, of some of these pertinent scenes, some YouTube links, so those who haven't seen the film can can get a better reference about handle than what we're talking about so the next um, issue uh, or aspect with regards to the key feel the key themes within the film mike is when uh v for vendetta sorry when v actually goes on his vendetta spree shall we say and starts killing some of the key shall we say um powerful characters so i just um 
uh, share with our listeners who they are. So we've got the media figure, which is Lewis, a character called Lewis Prothero, and he's the one that really beats the drum. He's the main uh, mouthpiece for government propaganda. He's known as the voice of London, and I say for our British listeners, it's a bit like uh, Piers Morgan, isn't it? Yeah. It's a character that people kind of love to hate. Marmite type thing, you're yes, either exactly. with his kind of like rhetoric or totally against it. So he's the key media figure. And he literally does represent the media lies in that sense. Yeah, so he is the he's the first one who's killed in the shower, isn't he? Yeah. Then next up we have the religious figure, which is uh, a bishop called Lily Moore. Lily Man, I should say. Uh, what's interesting, obviously with him, he's like um, a foul temptress. So uh, V sets up um, kind of like this orchestrated scene whereby uh, Evie is said to be like his um, little bit of, how should we say, underage. I think they're alluding to the fact that this bishop may be a paedophile. Yeah, well, come on with the, the She's a bit older than usual. Yeah. Well, I hope not too old. Yeah. Well, that's for you to decide. Yeah. So obviously that's this bishop called Lilliman. He represents the religious aspect. And then you've got the scientific aspect, which is the character played by uh, Sinead Cusack. And she was the head of the facility, wasn't she? Yeah, she did the scientific research to discover how to create this vaccine. Yeah. And so, not vaccine, um, virus in the first right. place. Yeah, and she's obviously killed by V. He breaks into her house and injects her with poison, obviously unbeknownst to her. So that's the kind of health scientific angle. And then we have the political aspect, uh, the great High Chancellor, Adam Sutler, uh, played by um, John Hurt. Um, so obviously the reason why we covered this is, so you've got the media aspect, the religion aspect, or religious aspect, the science, health aspect, and the political aspect. Now, I think you'll agree, you picked up on this, Mike, that these are the main mechanisms by which society is controlled, aren't they? Yeah, um, the only one that I can't see on the list, really, that I would normally say is um, banking. The finance element, yeah, yeah, so that's the one main element. But, um, yeah, so even though in the, in the nature of the film, these are just the people who were working at the facility yeah. um, who were essentially controlling V's life while he was there. Sure. And that's why he's gone after them, because they're the culprits for the virus, sure. killing people to begin with. Yeah. Um, and he gives each one of them one of those special roses right, yeah. as a symbol of here's your final yeah. goodbye sort of thing. Yeah. But they also happen to represent the very uh, institutions which um, are allowing this event to take place right now. The pandemic, as it were. Absolutely. So you, you couldn't get away without the, the media lies. Um, so yeah. you've got the, the news guy representing the media. Yeah. You've got the, the bishop with religion helping everything go along. And also the fact that I've been quite shocked at how, like, in Britain, the Church of England have not said to the government and the Catholic Church, hold on a minute, how long, are you, you know, are our churches uh, and cathedrals going to remain closed? You know what I mean? It's like it's a real, it's almost like the new religion is the covid the, the, the god of covid um so yeah we've got that aspect you've got well. the scientists who um literally created the virus in the first place it's without the scientific health field to yeah. go along and the with government it. health spokesman who are spinning the lies at yeah. the press conference it's, and then yeah. you get the high chancellor himself yeah who, mr boris johnson who actively 
directed this program to exist in the first place. Yeah, and and what I what uh, I like about this element of the film is, and this you really get this from the Shinei Kusak character when she says to V, when she knows at this point that she's about to die, she says, "But I was just following instructions." You know, she's trying to atone for her yeah. actions, and you know, V, v um, sorry, V, you know, says. That doesn't make any difference. You were still part of this yeah. horror that took place, and we can see this now in terms of you know COVID nineteen with with all of these players in the media, and political figures who you know in future if the truth comes out will they say, I was just following the program, man. You know, and that's what Everyone I love. Everyone will. Everyone will, and as we know, if there is any kind of public inquiry, which will just turn into a whitewash, oh, like the does. Chilcot inquiry after the Iraq War, they always do. You know, and um, Tony Blair and his government at the time have never had to face justice for what happened and all the lies around the weapons of mass destruction. But that's a sto- another story for another day. But yeah, I do like this aspect because it, and again, it relates to each of us as citizens of whatever country we live in that we can't just turn away and go, well, you know, this awful thing happened and it didn't involve me because I wasn't part of the power structure. Well, you're still part of what's going on. Do you know what? You know what I mean? That's and well, actually, this relates to the next aspect of one of the key themes that we're going to talk about, and this relates, Mike, to the emergency broadcast when V puts out some of the main. He's sort of a bit like his manifesto, really, his ideas, because he says, and I quote, "Ideas are bulletproof. Um, words retain their power," and he says, you know, speaks about the government and the authorities. There are those who don't want us to speak. And this is, uh, he also goes on to say, in directly talking towards the British public, he says, if you're looking for the guilty, look no further than the mirror. So again, he speaks this idea of, you know, like with COVID and what I was just talking about, how this event plays out, we're all partly responsible. And again, yes. I don't mean to, I don't mean to be like biblical or be, you know, use prophecy, but we do need to, you know, own. And partly why I do discerning consciousness is, to get a relationship to COVID is to, to get our thoughts out there, isn't it, Mike? Yeah, yeah. hopefully it can uh, help someone, if anyone. And, and I think that relates to the fact that if any of our listeners have people, whether it be friends, family, or maybe the odd acquaintance they meet, if they do begin to ask questions or they have concerns about COVID and quarantine and lockdown and enforced mask wearing, I think it is our responsibility to share facts, like you said to me, that you've been doing with your family. It's like if people come to us, to, sh- to just gently push people a little bit, because we all have our role, don't we? Yeah, it's always interesting to see how people respond, where it's like, look, they said this on the government website. Yeah. And everyone goes, but, 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 that's not what they're saying in the media. I'm like, I know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, that is that is one of the, the ways in which we can push back. Uh, it doesn't work with my family, Mike. You're having more joy than I am. Uh, maybe because I'm, like you said before, I'm too emotionally invested in everything that's happening. I maybe need to pull away, and then when I speak to my family, maybe I'll, I'll come more from a point of centre and less emotional, and they'll probably pick up on that and respond more in a positive way. Yeah, I find it's just a case of like, look, here you go. Sure. Read yeah. that. Make what you want of it, and I back what, away what? and. It's yeah. when they come back to me asking more questions, then I can sure. go, now I can start giving you answers. Sure, and that's when they'll come and like, so what does this mean? So what is, 
so what's really going on here kind of thing but yeah i don't mean to overstate the point in terms of this film but yeah we all we do have um we all do have a responsibility in terms of what's going to going to happen and it, and it isn't i think you'll probably agree mike it's not just enough to say this isn't what i this is i won't accept anything beyond this point so anything that the government mandate or make a law or rule beyond the enforced uh, wearing of masks i won't accept it's, it's not it's, even enforced it, though is well, it it's not it's not you can't enforce it because you need millions of police officers but the point i'm trying to make mike is that it's not just enough to say what you won't accept you also as an individual citizen in whatever country you might be living you have to say i'm going to be part of the solution i'm going to be part of yeah, I don't mean to be too kind of woo-woo, but how we do create a better world, because we do need to be thinking, as we have spoken about a bit before, and I spoke about with Heather Heaton in our episode about the planetary shift, we do need to be thinking about, okay, this is what we don't want, government tyranny. But what do we want? But what what but what do we want, you know? And it, it is really incumbent upon all of us to think about that and... Uh, you know, thinking your own kind of thoughts, what kind of world you want you want to shape, because as we know, the power of manifestation alludes to the power of our thoughts. And as you were talking about earlier, whilst we were pre- preparing for this recording today, Mike, what's essentially being played on us is magic, is the COVID-19 is dark sorcery, isn't it? At the, Basically. <laughs> you know, and the mantras and the propaganda, it all falls under the umbrella of magic, doesn't it? Well, like V was saying, that ideas um, are bulletproof. They're greater than a man. A man can be killed easily, taken out, like the whole Guy Fawkes thing. Sure. But what he started, what he represents now, is an idea that will survive throughout history. Yeah. And that's what he does within this um, speech that he makes on the TV, because he's literally going, look, ideas still retain their power. And... Anyone who is lis- willing to listen, sure. I will enunciate truth for you. And he even states there, like, look, if you don't see what I see, if you don't see the crimes of this government, yeah. then look away. Have a nice day. Yeah. But, but if you do see this, if you do get annoyed with this, then join me and we can take this world yeah, back. Yeah, that's yeah, very well put. And I think that is so relevant to now because I, I think what we're, we're reaching a point of, I call it like, um, what's the point of reckoning where you can no longer go, well, I'm not interested in politics. I'm not interested in what the government or state does. I just want a quiet life. And, you know, it's like, no, you the, there's a line in the sand and it's which way you're going to go. You're going to carry on believing the government lies. Or you got to actually think for yourself. And that's a beautiful theme encompassed within the film, which is so relevant for, for now. And part of the TV broadcast, which you spoke about, Mike, V says, he talks about fairness, justice and freedom. And he says, and I quote, there are those who don't want us to speak. And that, again, yeah. what we were talking about before relates to all of this censorship that's going on. And as we said in our previous episode around censorship, labeling people who don't want the vaccine as you know boris johnson called us nuts or the the health secretary matt hancock you know has called us you know crazy conspiracy uh, people or whatever words to that effect you know or that that we're actually dangerous and we can see well we're dangerous to the government we're dangerous <laughs> to the government and, and it's like this is the kind of propaganda and attack that those seeking 
freedom, peace, justice, truth. We are going to face more and more. And it is, as many people are saying in the alt community online, this is a spiritual warfare, isn't it, Mike? It's really, it's very significant. Well, there's a, a scene half... Oh, I can't remember exactly where in the film, but yeah. um, he's basically he's pretending to be someone else, telling the, the backstory about how everything happens. Yeah. And the important thing he was saying there is um, the real weapon, though, wasn't the virus. The real weapon was fear. Yeah, exactly. They use fear to gain control. Exactly. And that's what the attack is. It's on, the, it's on our very minds itself. They're exactly. getting us into a state of fear... So we'll do whatever the government tells us to yeah, do. Yeah, and it really is. That's what's so frustrating about this COVID-19 pandemic. That's what I feel. It's such a simple con. It's such a simple con that it's just fear, future events appearing real, that yeah. they're playing out. And that's what's so brilliant about the scene with uh, the Evie character, that, you know... She overcame her fears thanks to V, and thanks for the fact she didn't die. She pulled herself through it, yeah. and that is, you know, story of our times, isn't it? It really is. That is what is going on now. So, be prepared, folks. You may well, as I've just said, have to put your ass on the line, in a in a big way, and don't be surprised surprised if it does come to that. Yeah, I was gonna say, um, in the big scene at the end. Yeah. on the Viva Vendetta. Well, you mean where everyone gathers, they've all got the masks Well, what capes. was it? Just before that happens, there's a, a great quote by the police officer throughout the film um, where he says, um, one of them was asking the other one, what do you reckon is going to happen tonight? Getting all really nervous about it. And the police officer responds with, what normally happens when people that, do have, that don't have guns stand up to people that do? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And luckily... In that film, um, where they the took out the high out. command, yeah, sure. there was no um, report to open fire on the innocent civilians. Yeah, exactly. Now, here at Discerning Consciousness, we're not suggesting that, you know, you storm your relevant parliament in whatever country you're listening in. But what that scene very powerfully demonstrates is the power of the collective, isn't it, Mike? And how mass gatherings um, can just demonstrate that, you know, back to what we were saying, enough is enough. We are not buying your lies. We are not, you know, falling for the propaganda. And we want to live in a world, you know, based on truth, fairness and justice. And without having a corrupt government would be nice as yeah, well. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And, you know, I, I do think, I do think personally that if they do in the UK try and enforce vaccines, um, albeit through some sort of incentivization, as we know initially, they won't literally mandate that you get it. They won't make it illegal, will they? Um, I think at that point, that's when enough people could rebel and we could see movements, you know, anti-vax movements. And at that point, we need to be careful, Mike, don't we? Because that's where the system or the powers that be will try and infiltrate, as they've done historically, all opposition movements Agent and control it. Agent yeah. provocateurs, counter intel pro agents you know that's what we've got to be um you know got to be wary of you've got to be wary of but yeah like um, boris says be aware be, oh, yeah be aware yeah that dreaded that dreaded creature yeah <laughs> so um i think i'll uh we'll begin to wind things up now mike so um uh, i just want to look at some clips some conclude some concluding thoughts and I hope uh, we've got across uh, to the listeners. Primarily, I hope they've enjoyed uh, what we shared today. 
Um, please do go and watch the film if you haven't already done so. I was going to say, absolutely fantastic film. Everyone yeah. should see it. Yeah, and it is so... Um, I hope you've got a sense in which it is so relevant to what's going on now. You might actually... You know, you might need to sit in a in a in a in a, uh, a quiet room afterwards uh, because it does hit you quite hard, doesn't it? it can do. It depends what mood you're in. Really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say, um, one of my uh, leaving thoughts from the film is I found it so powerful how everyone was turning up to the Parliament building wearing the mask. Yeah. But as soon as um, you know, it actually does blow up. Sure. They all take their masks off. Sure. And I just sort of see that as a powerful moment where it's like everyone's afraid to be themselves outside normally. And going back to the whole phrase of, you know, we wear the mask for so long. Sure. And it was just that moment of everyone revealing their masks out in public, which you never really see in the film. No, no. And then <sighs> revealing that a lot of the people who technically died in the film were actually still alive, still alive. at the end. Like the girl that got shot. Yeah. yeah. Um, even the TV um, Stephen Fry's character, yeah. he reappears at sure. the end. Yeah. Yeah, that was just a bit of a powerful moment for me. Yeah, I agree. And what that says for me, the power of that particular scene in the film is for all those people right now who are going along to get along, so to speak, that phrase of, well, I'm just going to wear the mask because I don't want to upset people and I don't want to upset the shop owner and I don't want to upset other shop, shop, you know, other shoppers. You know, be, don't be afraid to speak your truth and don't be afraid to go out on a limb and be the only one in a shop that's not wearing a mask. You know, that's important. You know, other people might say it's nothing. You were only in the store for 10 minutes, half an hour. What does it matter? No, it's important because it's you speaking your truth. And that's what it is. When they all collectively take off their masks and reveal themselves, their faces at the end of the film, that's what that speaks to for me and of COVID-19. It's yeah. like you have to speak your truth what, what, in, in, whatever, um, in whatever way, whatever way that might be, Mike. You know what I mean? And that is, that is important now, as I said before, we're reaching a, a point or a line in the sand where we can no longer hide from our truth, if you like. Yeah, everything is going to be interesting for yeah, the rest yeah, of the year. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Right, uh, i just um, finish up now with um, some promotional stuff. So um, you can uh, follow me on Facebook. Uh, it's Ant Insuli, that's I-N-S-U-L-I, that's my surname. You can follow me at Twitter. It's um, discerning, at discerningcons3, and, uh, and that's a figure three. And you can follow me at Instagram. It's at CoolAnts72. So thank you for joining me for today's episode, Mike. It's been, been yeah, it's been an interesting uh, kind of um, perusal of uh, V for Vendetta, as we said before. Well, with do, the COVID nineteen slot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Do do catch the film if you haven't already done so. Uh, also, please do share this episode on all your own social media platforms. That'd be very helpful. So I will just leave you with these wise words. As always, if you're not in, remember, folks, if you're not in control of your consciousness, then someone else is. Bye for now. Mm-hmm.